What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and you're about to hear one of Relational Discipleship Network's track sessions from the forum that we hosted last year. RDN exists to help people shift the culture by being confident disciple makers. They do this by hosting conferences, church planner boot camps, and elder learning communities, and a lot of other things. So make sure you check out rdn1.com after this episode. And I got to warn you that the audio came to me pretty distorted, but I've doctored it up the best that I could so that I could include it this season because they just shared some super insightful and helpful stuff in these episodes, and I think you're going to be blessed by it. So let's go ahead and jump in and hear from Relational Discipleship Network. Here we go. All right, good morning, everyone. I uh, appreciate you showing up this morning for uh, to talk about a topic that we love, how much we love Zoom calls, and uh, how we want to go back to church online only, and what that looks like. Uh, no, for real, this is a... Uh, it's an incredible topic to discuss, I think, especially now. Uh, we were, a lot of us were forced into it this past year, uh, taking church digitally. And then now, what do we do moving forward? How do we handle it? How do we balance it? Do we do it at all? And uh, so I think this is going to be a very interesting uh, and engaging session. All of our experiences are probably very different. Uh, so I'm looking forward to some of the questions that come out of our time together, and hopefully you can get some things answered. My name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors in the Relational Discipleship Network. I uh, also get to serve on the board of the network, and I want to speak just for a moment about the value of having uh, a network, being connected to a group of pastors and churches uh, that believe in making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Um, over the last 18 months, uh, it's been a privilege for me to be able to connect with some of these guys uh, and, and figure out what their best practices are. How are you actually making disciples throughout the week uh, when you can't meet in person when church is not allowed to meet in person, what are, you, what are you doing to actually make a difference for the kingdom? And a lot of the camaraderie and support that have come from these relationships for me over the last 18 months have been incredibly beneficial. And um, there's a book that, that is out there on the table I wanna encourage you guys to at least take a look at. Uh, it's called Shifting with a Purpose. And the whole book is it's basically 10 churches in our network that talk about uh, what they would do or what they did do and the 30 days of shifting their church into being a disciple-making church. Uh, for instance, I had the privilege to plant a church uh, back eight years ago. Uh, this talks about what we did the 30 days leading up to launching our church. Um, there's other pastors in this book that give the story of how they shifted the culture of an existing established church um, to become less Sunday-centric, more disciple-making centric. And uh, it's very practical, and so I would encourage you guys to pick it up. We don't get any proceeds from that, uh, but that's out on the table. Uh, I want to invite up to the stage, the platform, uh, a couple of the guys, uh, Joel Owen, Scott Harris, and Bob Reed. Uh, and I'm going to ask them to share a little context of um, the church they pastor, the city they pastor in. And then we're going to talk a little bit about, little bit about um, how to utilize digital ministry. Um, and, and what I want to say right off the, the bat is um, a lot of times this gets a bad rap. Uh, people on their phones or on social media or what have you. Uh, but what I know to be true is this. Every single one of you already today has picked up your phone, has used your phone. If you have social media, you've already looked at it. Uh, and so I don't want us to beat up the very thing that a lot of us depend on. 
uh, for connection and engagement. Uh, we're going to figure out how to utilize that and uh, how to use it for the good of the kingdom in the advancement of the gospel. So I'm going to ask uh, Bob, let's start with you. And uh, tell us a little about who you are, where you pastor, and then after that we'll jump into the topic. Yeah, good morning. Uh, Bob Reed from Houston, Texas. Uh, I had to scrape some ice or whatever that was, frost, off my... It's crazy this morning. Anyway, just super glad to be here, but we are in an area called Cypress, Texas, which is Northwest Houston, uh, affluent area that is exploding with growth uh, and uh, incredibly diverse. We, you know, when we talk about going to the world, the world has come to us. And so uh, we have an amazing diverse church with a diverse staff and uh, this model of relational discipleship has been essential for us especially as we've navigated these waters um, uh, over these last 18 months, as Brandon mentioned. I'm Scott Harris. I'm the lead pastor of North Shore Christian Church in Everett, Washington, just uh, north of Seattle. Um, And our our whole area and our church is uh, real dynamic right now. In the state of Washington, um, it is a very, very uh, blue state and mandates are heavy. And and in the Christian community, it's creating a lot of... um, moving around, you know, so Seattle, uh, a lot of people are moving up north into our area, a lot of people, Christians moving out of our area, so it's just created this really dynamic kind of wash tub experience right now, and um, so I'm excited about this topic because it becomes very relevant in our times right now. Hey, good morning. I'm Joel Owen, and lead pastor of Grace Fellowship Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, Kingsport's up in the tip of the the state, right at the North Carolina and um, Virginia border, and so we we have a lot of stuff all just kind of around us. We're a smallish church, uh, 250 to 300 in attendance. Um, we talking about this, we we may have as many people watching us from home as we do attending our services, <laughs> or more. We don't, you know, sometimes that's hard to measure, uh, but uh, but that's kind of a little bit of context of, of where we are what we're doing. Um, we're a, we're not a diverse culture in Kingsport, Tennessee, uh, about 98% Caucasian. And, uh, and so our diversity comes more along the lines of, uh, uh, education and, uh, and, and financial stand, status and those kinds of things. Awesome. And, and I'm a, uh, we planted a church in Charleston, South Carolina, eight years ago. Uh, we're now a multi-site church that is uh, very racially diverse, uh, politically diverse, uh, socioeconomically diverse, which all those things were great uh, before 2020. Uh, in 2020, it exposed a lot of uh, the stuff that was just below the surface. Um, and uh, there, there were times I envied my friends that didn't have a diverse church uh, because it, it just, it, it caused um, a lot of chaos, it made us healthier on the other side of it. Um, not that we're on the other side of it yet, but it, it allowed us to work through a lot of different things that needed to be talked about. And, um, you know, one of the reasons that this whole digital, digital ministry concept uh, for me is, is a huge pulse point is because, uh, you know, we went through a year where, yes, COVID was bad, uh, but it was everything we had to deal with in the midst of COVID and not being able to be together. Uh, so the relationship was distant, so we couldn't work through some of the conflict, couldn't th- work through some of the divisions. And so trying to figure out how do we capitalize on these means of engagement or connection called social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be. Um, how do we capitalize on these mediums to connect people and engage with people while also trying to make disciples became a tremendous challenge for all of us. 
And um, what I wanna ask you to do, we're gonna have a time for Q&A, questions and answers after these guys share, after we all share a little bit of what worked for us, some of the best practices, um, what we saw um, accomplish, uh, our our vision and mission, and then maybe some things that we saw was was detrimental or didn't work. Um, And then I'm gonna have you guys ask some questions. So there may be something that that one of these men share that spawns a question, write it down, take a note, and then we'll have time for Q&A at the end, because I think that's important. I wanna make sure that we answer questions that, or try to answer questions that you might have. So um, who wants to start? What's some things that, um, let's go back March 2020, world shuts down. Uh, And Scott, I'm gonna use you. We were actually at Exponential uh, in Orlando, Florida. I remember this. We were at Exponential in Orlando, Florida, and uh, Scott Harris and his team, they they said, uh, hey, uh, there's, there's this outbreak at a nursing home, we, we, we need to leave. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And it's called coronavirus. I'm like, yeah, I saw that on Twitter, that's interesting. Like, but, it, but it was kind of like one of these things that was somewhere else, it wasn't here yet, and you guys left. I remember your team left. Y'all went to go do a Zoom call or something to pray with your church, and so you, it really hits you first. So what did y'all do, March 2020, April 2020? Like, what was the, what was the pivot in the play that you guys put in place? Yeah, and, uh, and, and focusing on the digital kind of, yeah, 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 because there's a lot we did, right? Like, uh, like what in the world is this, right? As he mentioned, uh, uh, and don't blame me, please. Uh, did you buy stock in Zoom right off the bat? Uh, yeah, yeah, I should, yeah, I should, should have, have. I should have yeah. quick. Yeah, there's a few stocks I wish I had now, right? Uh, but um, uh, Everett Washington was the first case in the United States, right? And then the first deaths. And in a, in a nursing home, uh, 13 people died in a week. Right? And so our, you know, our, our church is just um, miles from it. So anyway, that's why we left this meeting. And, um, and it's just funny because uh, uh, you, you play this back and you guys remember there. It's like, what is this thing? Aren't you guys overreacting? Um, and then, hey, just two weeks. Right? Okay, so I'll, I'll leave it at that right now. Here we are. Um, and so uh, for digitally, you know, we were um, online, but I would say this just barely, Right. It was all about the in-person Sunday experience. And then, because uh, we have some cameras and stuff like that, we, we flipped a switch and it, it went out to Facebook and then had a little online presence. But we really barely tended to it, okay? So this happens, um, and they sh- shut us down, right? You guys remember all of that? Um, and so in, in an instant, you either you're going to go online or uh, you're an email church. You got to make a decision, right? Um, and so for that is we had to say, okay, what's important? And, and the first question you have to have to ask yourself: What is your mission? And that doesn't change just because you move to online. So you know we are a relational discipleship church, uh, and it's about discipling people in a relational manner to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So uh, a, a disciple is, a, we take the definition from Matthew 4.19, right? A disciple is a person who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and on a mission with Jesus. Uh, that did not change because we weren't in person. Uh, and we had, two years later, we're still in the same boat, right? We have a percentage of our people that are still online. Uh, and it happens at least every couple weeks, somebody will come up, say, hi, Pastor Scott, I have no idea who they are, hi. Uh, I feel like I know you. Well, why? I've been watching you for 18 months. Like, okay, that's creepy. Um, uh, 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 and I literally know me because they watch the messages. Everything we're doing, they're there. 
Um, uh, here's a great story, um, and I'll let these guys share. So, you know, let me get to that point. The first thing is you have to know what your mission is. And I really think, uh, and, and you have to double down and ask them hard questions. That I'm sure we'll hear about that, uh, but just a great story. Uh, so we do a baptism service, right? Um, and we don't, I don't know if anyone's going to be baptized. So we actually are going to do it at this lake and kind of cool experience. And all of a sudden, uh, we're, we're baptizing people, and we're starting to kind of close it down. And uh, someone raises their hand. It's just a 24-year-old girl. Don't recognize her. Um, and she says, I'd like to be baptized. We said, uh, well, you know, uh, who, who are you? And she tells us her name. And she'd been watching us for, at that point, it was nine months. And uh, she says, I accepted Christ. And we didn't know who she was. You know, she was an IP address, right? And if you don't know what that is, that's just something you don't really know. You'd have to, uh, so never comment. And she says, I accept the Lord, and I've been watching and growing. And then uh, when you guys started announcing you're going to do a baptism service, I knew I had to be here. So this is the very first time we're meeting this person. Our church led her to the Lord. Uh, there was some discipleship happening. Uh, we'll talk more about after the fact, and here's a, a young lady being baptized. So it's really cool. So I think it's this thing. You've got to know what you're about. And we had to do that, and we had to spend a lot of money to become an online church. Yeah, so we were actually in a pretty fortunate situation. We didn't have to spend a lot of money to become an online church. We already, even in a smaller environment like our church is, we already had an online presence. We had some guys that a few years before had said, man, we really need to, to have uh, an online kind of thing. Let's let's get a camera and put it up in the ceiling and post our stuff. And so we were doing that. And uh, and we were already online. And, and little by little, we had upgraded our technology uh, to be to have a better presence, um, you know, even pre-COVID. When COVID hit, what, what it kind of exposed to us was, uh, man, we need a, an even better way of making sure people are able to, to view and watch from home. Uh, and so in, in some senses, that's been really good because now we have uh, a platform in place that we have a really nice streaming capability and we can you know, get the message out and, and all those kinds of things. The, uh, the hard part of it has been, and you've probably asked these same questions, is like, man, I'm I'm kind of tired of making it easily accessible for people to watch from home. <laughs> you know, like, w there's the big rub in all of this, right? If I've got a great online presence uh, and people can easily access us from home, and it's great to keep those who don't feel safe, don't feel comfortable coming into the building, but they feel really good about watching from home, and yet it's like, but I see you out on Facebook doing everything else except for coming to church. Like, what? So we've had that rub of even going, should we just take a month and turn our online stuff off and just see what happens, you know? Uh, maybe people will just be forced to come back. Maybe we just kind of cut that off. Uh, but at the same time, we've also heard stories like Scott where that online presence has really connected people and it's helped people stay engaged that don't feel safe coming to a, a gathering, coming into a building. And so uh, it's, it's almost a necessary evil that you have to wrestle with back and forth of going, we want to provide this resource, we want to provide this opportunity, but... We also want to encourage people to be engaged in body life, engaged in the mission, engaged in, in the vision of the church. And so I think that's where the small group component has become the even bigger part for us is going, man, listen, if you can possibly, we, we try to encourage people, don't just watch by yourself at home. Get together with another couple. You're probably, even in this time in life, you're probably still doing life with one or two other people, other, two, other families. Get together with them on Sunday morning, watch in your living room, worship together. 
So we had, at the very beginning of the pandemic, we had about six weeks that we were out of church. I know some of you guys had a much longer, you're in more uh, urban settings and, and bigger cities and those kinds of things. We're a more rural church. So a lot of people in our community acted like COVID never even existed. So they weren't, all, they, they weren't scared, right? And so they were just like, hey, let's get the church back open. Let's get back in the building. And so we just, we only had about six weeks that we really missed in the gatherings before we started kind of coming back together. But we still, even 18 months later, we have a large percentage of people that are still only interacting with us from home. And so providing for them to have the best possible way to do that is important and then finding ways to stay connected. So we actually brought someone in who during the service, they'll try to carry on conversations with people in the, the chats, you know, at the bottom. And so going, hey man, that was a great point that somebody just made. Uh, man, that was, let's, anybody have a thought on that? And it just engages them in conversation even while they're just watching the service to try to help them connect and plug in. And then it's a matter of, okay, hey, is there anybody here that, that wants a next step to, to get engaged with a group or to find their way into another ministry part of our church other than just watching online. So, um, so having somebody that's specifically playing that role of engaging with people online, even in the middle of the service, was a, was a step for us that we had never done before. It was just a, a good thing that happened, and we've seen some interaction and engagement with that. I'm curious, what are your questions uh, because I think what these guys have shared, I think you guys can all relate to. I think the, the rub that, that Joel talked about, I think we all probably uh, wrestled with. Um, you know, you're not looking to penalize your, your folks. At the same time, you know, you can feel like if you don't, uh, if you just make everything so easily accessible, at the same time, you're not trying to, I don't know, it was just a constant rub. So I'm curious what your questions are as it relates to this is it more of the metrics is it more of like uh, because we can all talk about what we had to do whether it was a big shift like my brother-in-law who's a pastor of a small church in Pennsylvania had no presence online and so for them it was this massive change of trying to figure it out and then you you've got other situations where like for us well it, going online was not hard we were already online on YouTube on all that but but we realized there was so much we weren't doing as far as engagement and looking how do, how do we how do we really even think even from a teaching standpoint really connect and engage and constantly be aware of a crowd that's online versus it was made available to those who were traveling and sick and all that kind of stuff and that was kind of the, like like this is a bonus right versus this is our primary way of connection so any questions i'm just curious yes sir do we have a runner mic by chance if not you're just gonna have to scream my man <laughs> my, my name is paul I, i'm pastor up near the boston area yeah. in a place called uh Bowl. and yeah. we were kind of more in your setting with the diversity that that you have and we were in lockdown so we had no presence I called up a friend, he said, don't buy the $300,000 cameras, go black magic. We, we all made that, we made a really hard shift. And then uh, the idea, really I would ask all of you guys with all of that in motion, what, what do you measure? Like we decided, because I didn't want to get discouraged, I made a decision to only count a few if they started it and stopped it and we only counted it as one because I'd be playing to my ego and maybe excite myself up for disappointment. So what, 
what would you say uh, you measure beyond? You know, first you have to decide how you measure people. What would you measure beyond, uh, beyond that? We had the same thing with someone being baptized, but I, I would say on top of that, what are some of the things that you guys would say you should and shouldn't use uh, digital reach yeah, I'll go first. It's a, it really is a great question. Did everybody hear that? Uh, probably not. But uh, in other words, what 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 did we measure? Um, understanding the view. When do you, like how long is the view that you're going to measure? Do you just measure clicks? Do you me you know whatever? Um, is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I, I guess even beyond that, like I would be counting the baptisms as well. Sure. People that make their way into the building. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we're right there. I, I won't speak for these guys. I'm right there. Like, I would say we have wrestled with those questions and still wrestle with those questions. So, uh, unfortunately, you have people, uh, you have a person up on this panel that doesn't have it all figured out. I just don't. I, uh, we've talked about, yeah, probably, probably these guys do. But I, I think I would say where we tried to really hone in was we weren't going to get, you know, Brandon's uh, from a Southern Baptist church. I'm, we're, we kind of came out of those roots. Uh, we're a non-denominational non church, but so they'll, they'll say probably five or six per click just because they're Baptist and so they got to have. <laughs> true? true? Come on. That's true. Uh, yeah, true. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so. That's awesome. Like a couple times too. <laughs> Online. Yeah, yeah so they went, we had a lot of baptisms after COVID. They People re re rededicated yeah. their life, <laughs> counted it, all of it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so like we get, like I'll, we'll get the numbers at staff meeting, like the guys will report what those things are. And so we hear, you know, and, and what we've tried to say is, you know, we don't get caught up. We do the one thing as well. We're not saying, okay, well, that one represents, you know, two and a half, or is it four? Well, they got, that one family has six kids. You know, I mean, it's like, it's just one of those things to where we can't control what that looks like. And so I, I personally have not put a ton of stock in the numbers uh, of online and measuring it. What we've tried to do is, who are the people that are in small groups? And are we really shepherding and caring for the folks that have chosen to put their lives um, in an environment to where they can be cared, shepherded, and discipled. And that, that's, that's what we've really gone after. We've, we've called folks, we've reached out to folks. Um, you know, we're probably 60% back uh, as far as in, in person. Um, we have, oh, I don't know. Uh, as far as percentage-wise online. We have a lot of folks online, uh, but we've really just tried to say, where are we with our groups? Where are we growing our group leaders? Um, and what, is, what do we see? We're seeing a ton of new families. And so with that, I'm going, so where are all those other families that called us their place? Like, they're calling us a church. And so just working through my own sadness in some of that stuff and working through uh, those things has been probably a, a real challenge because just as Joel was saying, you know, I don't, like the last thing I want to do is, is communicate like, hey, this needs to be a commitment and that brings shame because there are folks who are truly scared 
and disheartened or they've had family members that have passed because of it or presently in the hospital. And so our desire to see people connected could come across incredibly insensitive. Um, and so we're ju we've just said, you know, and, and what's cool is, is, is just families, you know, we've asked families, hey, send us just a picture, just because we want to celebrate with you if you're at home uh, of you and your family. So this one, uh, one gentleman, he's the, uh, oh, I can't remember his title at the college, but uh, he's, he was wonder, like he was an amazing man to help me navigate uh, back when George Floyd and all the stuff that hit the hit the fan and us navigating that as a church and even with our staff and because uh, as I mentioned we're really diverse and so because of that he he's like helped the governor with diversity training and all that so he's super way up in all that stuff and so he'll send me a video of his kids like after each service they kind of they kind of get up in front of the family and they share what they learn and what's kind of going on well that's cool like i love i love seeing that that that's so few right uh you know and i just know when we did it so we did a lot of recorded services uh pre-recorded so i got to go home on a you know be home on sunday with my family and worship with them and and participate with them which was which was a ton of fun as we as we did that and it totally gave me new perspective like i'm like because my daughter would bring the grandkids over and I'm like, this is really hard. Like to engage with little ones in the same room. And I'm like, how in the world, you know, and we've got a ton of grace for it. We're like, oh, it's cute, it's great, all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, with families that got three and four kids that it's so, you know, could care less what's going on on the TV. And then you've got somebody wanting to grab breakfast and you've got, the, you know, this person's trying to talk and you're in the middle of the thing. And hey, I'm on the screen right now. You need to listen, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's those kind of, and it just gave me such perspective sitting and part, trying to participate and trying to figure out how do we create engagement. And so that's been the question that we've, you know, we do, we have folks that are there that are engaging online and trying to do all that stuff. We, we have not hired an online pastor, but we've, but we have upped our ante in, in our engagement in that. So I don't know. I talked way too much, but that we, we, we don't have it figured out. There's a short answer. So I think it's great. Great question. And, and to echo what Bob was saying, engagement is the metric. So I think you measure next steps, you measure movement. So we stopped measuring views early on. Our, our production guy, I love him to death, TJ. Uh, like a couple weeks in, he's like, tell me the thousands of people that watch the service. Um, and we, I reached out to a, a guy, uh, Jonathan, who works for, he's marketing for a real estate company. And he said a very humbling phrase to me that, hey, the, the people that watch your service, that's the equivalent of people driving by your building. Because uh, if they start watching, they don't have to keep watching. Like, but, but you get notified there's a view. So we realized pretty quickly, okay, we, we're measuring the wrong thing right here because we're going to set ourselves up for failure. And so early on, just stop measuring anything that's a multiplier. Like Bob said, hey, a family, oh, that's one view, but there's six in the room. It's like, that just feeds your ego. Um, and so stop measuring multipliers. Start measuring somebody new that connects online. Problem with that is, hey, we got somebody new connecting online. Her name's Carol. She's in Virginia. I'm in Charleston. Like, and Carol wants, okay, you're... Okay, you want to start giving to the church? Okay, you want to join a Zoom group? Okay, this is counter philosophy for us because we believe you need to be in the local church. Um, and so that created some tension because the long play for Carol is not to be a, a, an active member of Awakened Church. I can't serve you, steward you, mobilize you for mission from 600 miles away. And so that became a different kind of challenge for us. But I think measuring engagement, 
Um, how many eHarmony people we got in the house? Online dating, anybody? Hopefully not. Hopefully you're married. All right, maybe you play in that game. They won't, they won't admit it. <laughs> Views don't matter. Engagement matters, all right? When they click on you and send a message, then you're, then you're in the game. You know what I mean? And so it's one of those things where that, that's the metric. But at the same time, online engagement, like if you're online dating, the goal is that eventually you connect in person. Would we all agree? You don't want to marry somebody online. So I would say whatever you do online right now uh, or did online, like are we driving it to in-person connection? That ha- I believe that has to be the goal. Um, and I believe it's a both and. I don't, I don't believe that um, digital ministry is evil. Uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity for us to mobilize the next generation. Here's a newsflash. You're probably not the expert on digital ministry in your church. There's probably a 17-year-old sitting somewhere in your congregation that can run circles around you when it comes to Facebook, Instagram, apps, YouTube. It's an incredible ministry opportunity for that generation to get engaged in what you're doing. Uh, I would encourage all of us to be humble enough to just ask. Like, hey, how can we take what we're doing here and push it out to the masses? Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a bad thing to ask them to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I think this measure movement would be a, a, a great metric. What's another question we got? Can I jump in real quick? Yeah. Just, uh, our production team meeting, something that I help you, is uh, when this started, and you, you guys are like me, right? Uh, all of a sudden it looked like I, our church quadrupled. But every church started. I have 10,000 people online now. We're bigger than we've ever been. And we did a survey, and it found, we found out most of our people were watching three to four churches. So... Uh, your church grew with the same people my church grew with, right? And so it's a problem, right? Um, but uh, what we ask in our production team meeting now is not how many people are online. That comes out in a different thing. But we started looking at, because uh, at the beginning we're counting people that watch us for three seconds, right? And so we started watching, uh, and it was our goal to increase engagement, the time. So we started watching how long is someone with us. And that became... A metric, and then we also do. Um, we have, a, you know, we hired an online pastor and uh, did that. So the engagement there, and then we do um, after service Zoom prayer. So just like we do, basically like an altar call, uh, and we from the stage. So what happens is our pastors are online, and and people come in. So we talk about that. Did anyone come get prayer in a breakout? Right, uh, with the pastor, and then you guys, everyone knows Zoom now, right? You can go to these private breakout rooms, so you can still have this private space, right? Um, so th- those are the things that we talk about now. How long? And then, so we started increasing uh, the amount of time that some people engaged our service. So three seconds wasn't, yeah, we got them, right? But all of a sudden, we started noticing 35, 45, 55 minutes. You know, our average time. Um, that's when we knew we were doing something. So. Yeah, that's good. And the other piece, too, is I think you have to choose which audience you're going to actually engage with. So uh, when people started coming back, when we reopened doors and people came back to service, uh, there was this, we were in a conundrum of, okay, we still have an online audience. So if you guys have anybody on production that's like, hey, I need you to look to the camera, like talk to the people in their living rooms. And I'm like, hey, this feels weird talking there when I got people sitting right here. It was just counter philosophy to who we were. And so we made a decision that that anything online is going to be a window into what's happening in the room, and we're not going to apologize for that. So when we, you know, for instance, when I'm preaching live in a room, and yes, it's on video, but I reference somebody by name on the front row, like that, yeah, that disconnects the online audience, but 
who cares? Like, that's what we want to have happen. We want you to find a way to get into the room. And so I, I think being unapologetic about that, because the opposite's also true. If you just cater to the service that's going out and people in their living rooms, the people in the room will feel it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm bipolar bought into online stuff, man. Cause like last year we were like, Hey, watch online, worship in your living room. And what Bob was saying, y'all people didn't do it. Like, let's be honest. You didn't sing with your wife in the living room being led by worship at the church. If you did, you're more spiritual than I am. That was hard to do. Uh, and it was hard to face the fact my 15 year old didn't want to watch me preach on a screen. It's okay. He could go watch TD Jakes. TD Jakes is better, you know? And, and, and so just dealing with that, but we pushed everybody online. Then we opened doors back and we villainized them for not coming back because they're still watching online. So we're like, oh, actually, we were repenting of our position last spring. We don't believe in it anymore. And, and I think for us now, it's going, okay, how do we embrace what it is that we put in place um, and not project personally onto our people how we feel about it? Uh, for instance, two years ago, uh, if we would have had uh, a men's group or a small group say, hey, we're going to Asheville to go hiking and camping out for the weekend. There was a part of me that was like, all right, well, make sure you're back by Sunday. Like, we need you on Sunday. Like, your people are gonna be coming and, you know, you're serving. And well, well now, now it's like, okay, a couple weeks ago, we had Justin, one of our small group leaders, one of our staff, take a men's group up to Asheville. And the expectation was, hey, just, y'all just dial into the service. Like, watch the service. Like, stay connected with and it was a beautiful thing because they were able to stay connected even as they traveled. We're finding even as people come back, they're not coming back with the same amount of recurrence. They're still traveling. Y'all, we're dealing with lagging effects of freedom right now. People didn't have vacations. They couldn't do travel ball. They couldn't do weddings. And so now it's that everything's opened up. We're just seeing what their priorities are. And the harsh reality is if people haven't come back to your church, it's because they don't want to be back at your church yet. Uh, and they just don't have the heart to tell you. They're just busy uh, or they don't feel comfortable. And so I think just embracing, hey, there's another medium now to keep them connected content-wise to the church, but let that medium drive relationship into the body. I think that's the most important thing. Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers. And by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there. I also am from Massachusetts and am a weird person in this setting because I'm a small groups coordinator, but also on the media team. So I'm like dual purposing your guys' influence right now, and I appreciate what you're saying. My question is, I know pointing to small groups is a goal to keep the online community engaged. Do you recommend in your experience them to be online groups, or do you re recommend doing like outpost, like, hey, anybody down in this area that's online viewership, get together in this person's house and do, I mean, because 
it's clear in the scripture that like community is where the Lord's presence is felt. So we want people in rooms with each other, face to face, touching, seeing needs, meeting needs, experiencing the body. But is there a place for that when you've got somebody in Virginia and somebody in India and somebody in Texas and somebody in Oklahoma that's our my online crew that's watching and communicating, like giving feedback in the chat, like engaged in the service, watching start to finish. How do you get them to be able to be, how do you pastor them well? Yeah, I love that. One of the things that Scott said earlier is know your mission, right? So know, know your mission, know your, your values. So, uh, so in our setting, it's, and know God, find freedom, uh, discover your purpose, make a difference, right? So when we talk about, okay, just, so for Carol, I'll use this as an example. For Carol, it's like, hey, for you to become a member at Awaken Church, we want you to discover your purpose. In other words, what's God gifted you to do? What's your spiritual gifts? How can we mobilize you to make a difference? I can't do that with you online. That, that's gonna manifest itself through you getting connected to a local body, local church, and, and being utilized on mission for Jesus. So the responsibility, I believe, then comes on us, whether group's pastor, lead pastor, to, again, if, I don't know what the mission is, and I don't wanna assume that, that we all believe what I just said, but if the, the, the belief is you need to be connected to a local body, one body, many parts, and you need to be a part of that body, then the responsibility, I think, then becomes, okay, w what's the season of transition for like, today you got a small group, Texas, Boston, Seattle, what, like at some point this season needs to cease and I need to steer you, if I'm gonna make a disciple of you, I need to steer you into a church and, and, be, and be okay with that. Not everybody will agree with that, but, but be okay with that. Um, that's what I would say and that's really some of, that's stuff we've had to navigate through because we, we talk through, hey, do we do online membership? Because we can and like, like giving from online membership can be really good. I mean, now you gotta, oh, we got global, like that's great, right? Uh, but you, you can't make disciples out of that. But that's where you have to choose, like, hey, what am I in this for? Like, are we trying to get financially healthy as a church? Are we trying to make disciples? And uh, so I think those, those are the things you got to battle through a little bit. What you guys add? I have a story. Uh, uh, I'm going to invite you into a dilemma. So I, uh, my wife's out over here. And we, uh, about three weeks ago, we got kind of rocked. And so we're asking our staff this question. And I think you're asking. So is this, so we went and visited a lady uh, elderly. Uh, she lives in, uh, uh, I guess, a nursing home, but it's one of those progressive where it's independent living. And it goes right. So we went to visit her and uh, we're there talking with her and stuff. And um, you know, she lives alone in this little apartment. And she started talking about her Sunday experience and, and she'd been doing it, you know, the whole time. So 18 months, whatever it was. And she says, oh, every Sunday I get up, I I go shower, I get dressed. I, she says, I come over here. And she says, I grab my Bible, I get my cup of coffee. So she explained this whole church experience. And so my wife and her are sitting there and, and she's just talking about it. She's talking about the sermon. She goes, oh, I liked when you said this and stuff. I'm just, in, I mean, she's in. And I love this and the music's so good. You know, it's, you know I'm not the worship leader. That's why she said that. Um, um, and so um, uh, we left and I asked my, my wife, I said, wow. You know, because uh, I was like, Bob, you know, because at the beginning we recorded our service. I mean, I'd go make my breakfast and I'm the guy talking, but I'm, I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, there's church, you know? You know, I loved it. Wasn't it great? He's just like, uh, you're still getting credit for being at church, but you're kind of doing other stuff. Um, and that's what I, I thought most people were doing. And I watched this. And so uh, I said, is, is she part of our church? What we just experienced there, is she part of our church? Uh, 
And I brought that to uh, our production, our staff. Is she part of our church? And I'm at that thing. It's like, wow. Um, and, and so I've got to figure that out. There's something there. And um, you know, I love what Brandon said. And I agree with that. How do we connect it? It's a little bit more complicated, right? And I think I hear you saying that. So I'm going to join you at that table. It's like, God, what's this look like? I'm not sure who else will talk about. We're in that dilemma right now is how connected can you be in this setting? Uh, here's somebody that's committed to this church, our church and, and dialed in. Um, but we'll probably never walk in the building because of her health issues. Interesting. Yeah, I think, a, too, a, di a digital disciple making, a best practice that we stumbled on that I would encourage you to, to utilize um, for your small group leaders or for your staff. If they're connected, if they have a Facebook account or a social media account, um, encourage your people, encourage your leaders to follow your people. So if you got a small group leader with 12 people, say, in their small group, the, one of the best ways you can help make disciples of those 12 people in that small group is to follow them on Instagram and like the pictures where they're celebrating their kid's home run at a t-ball game. Um, celebrate whenever they go out on a date night with their spouse. Uh, make a comment. It's engagement. You can be in their life beyond just a Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, small group. And, so it, and staff, like for our church staff to go, hey, especially it happened during COVID, but we need to figure out how to be more engaged and connected to our people. It was an easy avenue and a free avenue of connection. People love to be encouraged and affirmed, celebrated. Um, and so it was, it was a great way. And along the way, what we found out is we know our people better. Um, and yeah, it's a highlight reel and all that good stuff. People po post the best stuff. But you get to see what their life is like. You get to see what they think is important and what they prioritize. And uh, it's, it's, again, it's an easy metric of engagement, but a way to stay connected to, to your people. There's another question that you might have. Uh, you teased us at the beginning about things that didn't work. So maybe for one or two of you, what's something that you implemented within this online world? You're like, this is going to be awesome, and it totally fell flat. I, I'll go. I, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but this is one. Uh, no, you did a lot of things wrong. So I <laughs> We did. Yeah. We, <laughs> we did so many stupid things. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Y'all remember Tiger King, that documentary came out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got, I got talked, we were doing the, <laughs> we were doing these instant, yeah, I did. Hey, we should, we should do, we should do an Instagram live, uh, and dress up like Tiger King. That was not smart. We were trying to get people to watch. Um, so that was not good. That was a bad decision. Um, you know, it takes bad ideas to get good ideas. We, we here's, here's what, here's what I would say, and I'm going to own it, what I did wrong early on. I tried to be somebody I wasn't. So, hey, we need to get you on Insta Live, you know, like three times a week, and we need to push out these daily devotions, and we went all content. Let's just, let's just bombard our people with stuff. That was not who we were, and so we got stuck in this, okay, I gotta create content. I gotta figure out what to say. What's gonna be new? What's gonna be fresh? How do I send them, you know, we're gonna do a daily, you know, here's a daily word, like we're gonna split our staff up and do this. We created all this pressure to push onto our people stuff they weren't even looking for, and instead of just maybe stepping, taking a step back and pausing and going, what do they need right now? Like, what, what, are they, what do they need right now? And the only way you figure that out is by asking them. And so what we tried to, honestly for us, we tried to do too much on social media, too much engagement through Facebook. And what that became was just white noise. And um, we, because everybody was trying to do that, you know? Everybody, everybody was trying to say, how can I get the most to my people? And, um, and so what it did was when everything became important, hey, tune into this Instagram Live, or hey, check out this, in our Facebook community group, you know, Tevin's gonna be giving us a devotion. 
we started saying, hey, do everything. And so the most important thing just became one of many things. And that made us actually less efficient. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know. I, here's, I, I want to I say this. You guys could easily go to another breakout of people that know how to do digital ministry way better than us. What, what we do, what I would say, what we do really, 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 really well is make disciples in relationship. That's what we do. That's what our network's about. That's, you know, for, for me, um, having the privilege of being able to try to uh, shift two different churches to, from being, you know, what, you know, whatever you might call it, to becoming a relationally disciple-making church. And then we hit COVID in this, uh, you know, 18 months ago, and it's trying to, how do you still keep, as everybody's mentioned, how do you keep the mission the mission? How do you keep making disciples when people aren't able to always be in person? Well, the guys I was discipling, I was still connected to. We're still staying connected. We would still see each other even if we had to wear masks, even if we didn't wear masks, whatever it was, we were going to still keep making disciples. And, you know, we had to navigate how do you leverage all the staff that you have and what are they doing? And there are all these questions that we've all had to wrestle with. But at the end of the day, what sets this ministry or this network apart, in my opinion, uh, is we've really looked at what did Jesus do as far as his methods and how do we reproduce that? Like how do we still teach our people to follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus and be on mission with Jesus? Because no matter what context, no matter what crisis, no matter what, you know, you name it, uh, that's what it's gonna come back to. And as we had to navigate the, all the stuff that we experienced racially, politically, all that stuff. I kept saying, this is a discipleship issue. And it's just exposing how the church has got to do a better job of discipling our people. I think the attendance issue is still a discipleship issue. I'm not talking about people that are making wise choices to stay home because of health. I'm talking about people that have just chosen to disengage and disconnect. That's a discipleship issue. And to be honest, I think we're a big part of the blame as pastors because we haven't discipled our folks. We've taught our folks. We've, you know, given them lots of scripture and Bible studies and all those things. And trust me, I am all for that stuff. But we have done a very poor job of discipling our people because I had a staff member, he's no longer on our staff, but I had a staff member when I first got there just said, you know, this, this discipleship stuff, it's not sexy. Because his whole thing was production. Mm-hmm. And so discipleship's not sexy, and it, and it really isn't. And it's long, and it's hard, and it's painful, and all that kind of stuff. But my encouragement to each of you, no matter what your role, no matter where you are in the country, Um, if you're a volunteer, if you're on staff, whatever the case may be, is do you have confidence that you could take somebody in your church and personally disciple them and that they would be able to turn around and reproduce what you did with them and you would say, that's what I want constantly reproduced throughout our church that's not dependent upon your education. Like that was mine. Like everything was so dependent upon all my training, all my education. And that's why I wasn't seeing it being reproduced. But yet, you know, I, I came to this uh, DS1, 2011 is when I came across the material. And 
I, I go to this thing, it was funny, I, I just, the, uh, I'm on a plane with our small groups guy and two of our elders, and I'm like many of you, like go to a conference like this, and there's thousands, right? Like there's just tons of people, and so I'm like, hey bro, like how many people are at this thing? And he's like, oh, I don't know, like 80 to 100, max. And I'm like, oh, like we're gonna have to talk to people and like act like we care. Like, like I, seriously, cause I, I, trust me, I like people. Uh, but I'm not, I was, like I wasn't coming to a thing like this to hang out. Like I came for answers because I'm trying to figure out how do we disciple people because I'm looking at our church that's growing in numbers and I feel like we, we are miserably failing as it pertains to spiritual maturity. Just miserably. And so how do we help grow our people? Because I'm on stage trying to leverage every bit of influence I've got to get people to take their next step to get into a small group. And at the end of the day, let's be honest, at the end of the day, we're just hoping stuff is sticking. But then you look at the numbers and we realize marriages are falling apart left and right. Look at COVID. Massive amounts. Like a little bit more pressure on the crack and all of a sudden you see it shatter. Mm -hmm. Marriages have fallen apart left and right. More and more kids are cutting themselves. Suicide rates are going up through the roof, all that stuff. And that's also in the church, like Christians. And so I'm like, how in the world aren't we setting the pace for what it should look like? I can only do my part. So, so what does it look like for us as pastors to really start saying, hey, let's quit worrying about the show and measuring clicks and all, all, all the other stuff, but what does it look like for us personally, volunteer, all, all, like for us personally to start discipling two or three people that are gonna reproduce more and more disciples of Jesus? Like what does it look like for us to just be focused and centralized on that? And we've got people that are also discipling people online because they're zoomed in on a meeting because, you know, again, because there's still, there still is an engagement. It's not what we want. It's not what we desire, but it can still happen. So leverage technology to be able to get the result that you're trying to go after versus bowing down to it and trying to figure out how to be the expert at it. And so my encouragement is that as you leave here today, if, if you, if you want to have a better understanding of what this looks like. We have a thing called a DS1, and there's a list of the different dates, and I'm sorry, oh, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Uh, there, there's where we have some dates and locations for you to get one. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. I went to one of these in 2011. Each one of us has been through them now probably a gazillion times. Uh, and it, and I'm not exaggerating, it changed my life. I came to get answers because I figured that, you know, this is not hard to lead small groups. We can figure this out. We don't need to go to this conference. It's not hard, all that kind of stuff. Because I read, you know, real life discipleship. I went through the manual, all that stuff. You know, I was like, hey, we can figure this thing out. We don't need to go to this thing. And I'm telling you, that was just pride and arrogance and foolishness on my part. Because I went to this thing and I was so personally convicted and blown away that I came back to my elders and said, guys, listen, if you don't wanna make this shift and moving in this direction, I totally get it because it would be another shift. And at that point, I was at a Southern Baptist church that was celebrating 100 years. And we had already made a lot of changes already. And as you know, that churches don't like change. And so to make this kind of shift was gonna be significant 
Because here's the deal, as soon as you said, we're gonna be more about discipleship, this is gonna be our, everybody's like, yeah, and then you talk about what it's not gonna be and what it is gonna be, and everybody's like, I'm out. And we lost a lot of folks. And here's, here's the thing. I told the elders, I'm like, listen, if you guys don't wanna make the shift, I totally get it, I will graciously resign because I can no longer continue to keep doing ministry the way I used to do ministry because I was so deeply convicted that this is what Jesus modeled and invited us, invited me into, and I would rather go get a job outside of the church and serve in the church and make disciples than keep pastoring a church that wasn't gonna make disciples. So my encouragement to you is if you're not absolutely confident that you and your staff or your team or your, you know, the people that you're with know exactly what, what to do, how to do it, all that kind of stuff, this DS1, is a, it's an interactive two-day experience. It's not like this. Like, we don't enjoy, like, talking heads. Like, we'd rather be at a table with you and just dialoguing and learning and growing and connecting together, but it's a two-day experience that we will walk you through that you have the opportunity to experience yourself as well as ask a ton of questions and be with other people that are going after the same thing. So that would be my encouragement uh, to you as you, uh, as you contemplate, you know, what does it look like to make disciples of Jesus? So anyway. Any other burning questions before we dismiss out of here? Yes, sir. If you guys could just say, here's my one, my one piece of advice through this process, like looking back, you could just sort of be like, okay, this is the one thing that do this or don't do this. And I know that's a big ask to summarize from a pastor, but <laughs> what, what might that be? Yeah, so the question was, could you, could you say one thing that you would go back and do if, if you had it all to do over again, right? Is that how I'm hearing it? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the, the thing and, and the one answer for me would be don't count on media to do what relationship alone can do. So for us, it was, hey, there are people who used to be coming to our church that we're not seeing in person now. Who's staying in touch with them? Our elders are making phone calls to people who are what we consider strays now. Our staff are making phone calls. We're connecting, life group leaders are connecting to people who used to be in their groups and are now not coming and not engaging. Are you still there? Are you still watching? Are you still plugged in? Do you still feel loved and cared for? So it's not about just going, yeah, I saw some views, so we're assuming they're out there. We are staying relationally connected to people through phone calls, social media, whatever it takes, whatever it may be, text messages. And then still, even if they don't feel like coming to the large gathering, we're still begging them to come to the smaller groups. Right, and we'll do whatever. If we need to meet outside, so you feel comfortable, so we can spread out. If we need to wear masks in our thing, we'll do that, you know, like whatever. But can you still stay engaged? Don't count on media to do what only relationships can do. Um, uh, there's a lot to this, I'm gonna keep it. Be intentional, okay? And if you come to a DS1, you sit at a table, with us and you learn about relational discipleship and what this is about, that word intentionality um, is all the difference. That's what Jesus did. I'm not going to get preachy. Be intentional. Yeah, I would say um, 
So I'll just say this. I, I, I think the one gift that COVID had give, has given me is setting a healthy pace in my schedule. Uh, and I remember I was telling these guys I had to repent of it, but like I was complaining with God uh, because we were experiencing so much growth beforehand. And I was like, I don't want to do another capital campaign. I don't want to build more building. Like, I don't want to do this. I just want to make disciples. And, and uh, then COVID hit and I was like, oh, this is great. We don't have parking problems and we don't have all these, right? And then uh, recently I felt like the Lord really convicted me of just really my bad attitude. Like I'm blessing and, you know, growing my church, not me, my Jesus's church and I'm like frustrated about it. And, um, and so that was a time for repentance for me. But I'd say the one thing is like it's given me permission to set a pace that's healthy. Uh, like I'm connecting with guys. Like I play golf. And so I play with uh, guys that I disciple as well as reaching lost people at the, at the club. Um, it's given me more opportunity to study at home, uh, which just fills me up. And so I, I've for me, setting a pace that's sustainable has been just life-giving. And so that would be my encouragement is figure out what that pace is and don't go back to the rat race. Uh, that would be mine. Yeah, and I would just say, echoing all these guys, identify. The one thing I would say to do is identify what the bullseye is of what you're called to do. And if it's, if it's to, to make disciples in relationship, COVID can't destroy that. Right, so what, but then that allows everything that you do to be centered towards trying to hit that bullseye. And anything that doesn't lead that way, just don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, hey, as we close, first of all, thanks for coming. As we close out, there's cards on the table if you want more information um, about the RDN network, Relational Cybership Network, and about the, uh, the DS1 that Bob so clearly mentioned and that all of us went through and that was life-changing uh, for me as a pastor and as a person. So... Uh, appreciate you guys coming. Fill those cards out. You can turn them in as you leave at the table outside. And uh, yeah, we'll see. The next session is going to be on mental health, um, how to navigate, and, and what are some best practices in terms of keeping um, mental health as a pastor. And uh, I think we could all probably benefit from that too. So if you, if you don't have another session to go to, we appreciate you coming back. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening to this Relational Discipleship Network episode. I hope that you enjoyed that. And I want to encourage you to check out discipleship.org and mark your calendars for October 5th and 6th because we're hosting another National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's going to be a fantastic time. All right, coming up next, we've got another RDN track session episode. So make sure you click subscribe to the podcast so that you know when I release it. All right, everybody, have a great day.